If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Our guest today is Sandy Simons. Sandy was a typical country kid that would jump on any horse and ride. But like many women, she discovered that once she got a bit older and became the wife and mother of five, yep, five, along with discovering how to overcome her own disability of spinal disease, she developed an innate sense of self-preservation, thus leading to her own loss of confidence. Using her own experiences and unique style incorporated some of the training methods from her husband, David. Sandy's helped hundreds of women regain their confidence to get back into the saddle while joining, enjoying a safe and harmonious relationship with their horses. Sandy's insightful, compassionate nature makes her a truly unique coach who's now providing a training system that's been sadly lacking for those who've had struggles in the equine world. Sandy offers all ladies who have lost their confidence the health, encouragement and support they need to ensure their journey when riding can become easier, enjoyable and more fulfilling. How are you today, Sandy? I'm wonderful, thanks, Glennis. How are you? (laughs) Wonderful now. Yep, thank you. Now, Sandy, we normally start off with a quote. You've heard a few of our podcasts, so what's your favourite quote? What's a quote that you'd like to talk about today? Well, the one that I always repeat and has stuck in my mind most of my life Mm. is patience is knowledge in disguise. Yeah, yeah. Now, tell me how you first got that one. You know, did someone tell you, was there a particular incident? Yeah, actually, we were over in America training with John Lyons, and it's one of his more favoured quotes. Yep. And I always was, you know, would watch the guys train all over, you know, over the last couple of decades, and I was always in wonder of how patient they looked. And, um, you know, I'd always said to myself, I'm I'm not patient enough to do that. (laughs) And then when I figured it out through that quote, I'm like, oh, now I get it. Now I get it. Yeah. And um, it stuck with me. I think it was a lesson that I needed to to learn and it was a quote that, that helped me understand it. And sometimes having the patience to watch for those very, very subtle signals that a horse gives you, you know, I think that's that's the knowledge, isn't it? You know, they're just very, very subtle. Oh, absolutely. And I think if you're plugged in, you know, watching and reading what the horse is telling you, mm. then you mm. never get lost. Yep. You know, you're always got something to say about it, as long as you've got a good bucket of knowledge going on. But, um, you know, the more you're paying attention, the more you see, and the more action you can take rather than reaction. Yeah, yeah. Now, Sandy, just think about an early memory that you had with horses, you know, preferably your first memory, but just something, some sort of incident you had when you were in your childhood, you know, one that would jump on any horse and ride. Tell tell us something about that. (laughs) I think my very first memory of riding horses was I would borrow the um, local town Shetland, and um, (laughs) we commonly called him a Shetland. And I'd walk probably about four or five miles to catch him, and that would take me most of the morning to catch him and then um, ride him home. But as soon as I got home and 
uh, got off him, he would pull away and bolt and go back home. So that <laughs> that repeated forever. I don't know how many miles I walked catching that on a little sucker. I think he probably had a big smile on his face as he was, uh, yeah, oh, <laughs> as he was I running reckon. away. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He was horrid. Yep. But I persisted. I never gave up. There's only a horse around to ride for a long time, so okay. I never gave up. Good, good. Now tell us from riding that horse, you know, to going on, I suppose, meeting David, having a career with him, having a career with horses, what sort of was the, the I don't know, the event or anything that started you doing stuff with horses and being a horse professional? You know, was it sort of something that you always had? Did you work with horses earlier on? Just tell us a little bit about that journey. Well, yeah, I mean, I've had horses in my life, all my life. I can't remember a time without them. (laughs) And I, you know, I truly did it as a selfish thing It was for myself, you know, to keep my soul happy and uh, fulfil my passions. And it was only until after I met David that um, we started to get really heavy into it. And, you know, that's a long time ago now. Mm-hmm. And it sort of fired up from there. But it was all about, you know, David and, you know, being the breadwinner. He was the one that pursued, you know, being a professional in the industry. And we had a lot of local people that gave us a lot of support and pushed us in that direction. You know, my career didn't start until after our last child. That was 22 years ago. You know, I didn't plan that. That just sort of happened itself. That wasn't something I had aspired to do. I was quite happy just dealing with my own fear, you know, and riding and stuff. But that's soon, it grew itself, really. Yeah, I'm just thinking about, because you had five kids, did you ride in that time when your kids were younger or not? Or how did that work out? Yeah, I did throughout all of my um, childbearing years. Mm. I, you know, at some stages throughout each pregnancy, I stopped. But um, most of them I rode through until I couldn't. And the last one, he was premature. So that, that my, you know, my riding stopped early with him. But I, I soon came back to it. I tried to get back to it as quickly as I could. But, you know, slowly my confidence was just getting trashed. It was just awful by the time I had number five. Yeah, I'm just thinking about that whole confidence thing. Because, I mean, if you don't ride, you know, you ride, you stay fit, you keep going, your balance is there. But you stop riding for a while and lose confidence. And, you know, I think we can sort of say as females that, you know, through childbearing years, you have breaks, you lose confidence, you get back, it builds up again. But five kids losing confidence, what then sort of was the thing that changed it, that you realised that you were losing your confidence and you had to think of some way then to get the confidence back, you know, because you're now teaching getting confidence back and in the saddle was there an event that led to that to you working out what was going on or just something that you figured out as you were going along no I think for me it wasn't an accident or a you know a pivotal moment it was mm-hmm. after each child I uh, my responsibility my burden got heavier you know by the time I'd had number five I really felt like if something happened to me what then yep and it really yep. weighed on me heavily so with each child, it just got worse and worse and worse until the last one I was I was just shot. And I think it was compounded more for me because I'm married to a horse trainer mm. and you know, I'm in the horse industry. So it was really confronting because I was in the industry. It was different if I was doing it socially and only rode once a month, but being around the horses every single day and having to be around them every single day was compounded for me and it became a real issue. And it sort of got to the point where I couldn't pretend I was okay anymore. 
Mm. I had to actually be very honest. And that's when I really had that pivotal change in my life. You know, David and I spoke about it and I was really lost. And I said, I either give it up or I get serious. I don't know which way to go. That's when he helped me work out a program to, you know, that helped me relax and helped me feel safe, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, but I've over the years teaching with women, it, you know, it can be about an accident. It can be being out of the saddle where you've had a career. You know, there's lots of other different reasons, but I do know the feelings are the same. Yes. Yep. It's all the same. Yep. Once you're nervous, you're nervous. Yep. So, and it's very debilitating. And, and I was really paralyzed with fear at that stage. But, you know, we're talking 22 years ago when I was at my worst and there was no conversation of being a nervous rider. There was no conversation of dealing with fear. There was no trainer out there giving their voice. It was nothing. And I looked. I know I searched everywhere to try and find the answers and there was absolutely nothing. So it was up to us to develop something or me stop. Mm. So, you know, now I'm grateful that we figured it out because walking away could have been a lot easier. Yep, yep. Yeah, well, you you figured it out <laughs> for yourself, time. but you figured yeah, it out for yeah, lots exactly. of other people too. Yeah, and I've noticed over the last you know twenty or so years that doing what I'm doing, I'm creating a voice for the nervous rider and allowing it to be out there without any stigma attached to it and any shame attached to it. Mm, mm. You know, because women and I know myself dealing with my nerves, I felt like I was less of a horsewoman, which is so not the truth. Mm, mm. But that's what I felt like. So. Yep. I've definitely noticed since I started all of this that the conversation has changed. Yes. And that's, that's a fantastic thing. Yeah. Now, thinking about people that work in the horse industry and, you know, not necessarily trainers, but people who want to work, you know, and I don't know if you've got it with David or with yourself that someone says to me, look, I want to work in the horse industry. You know, I'm green. I don't know anything yet. But what sort of core skills or character traits do you think they need to have to get started in the horse industry? Well, I think, first of all, you have to have an undying passion. Mm-hmm. You know, if you see a horse as a tool, then uh, you need not do it. But if you do have that insatiable passion, then by all means, work towards that. But you also need a shield of armour. You know, the horse industry can be quite fickle, and there's lots of armchair experts, unfortunately, and lots of critics. So you've got to have a lot of self-belief and really believe in what you're doing truly believe in what you're doing, yep. then you'll survive it. But, yeah, you know, it's a fickle industry and there's a lot of people in it now. It's completely changed. You can go to a different clinic every weekend, or, you yeah. know, with a different trainer. There's sure. so much on offer now. So, you know, you really need to be driven into really wanting to be be in the horse industry yes. and really have a very yes. strong passion. And, and, you know, that shield of armour, You, I was going to say a thick skin, but I think a shield of armour describes oh, yeah, it a no, lot better, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, Definitely a shield of armour, mm, yeah. Mm. And, you know, unfortunately, and we see it still, it's a conversation in the world today, but females still struggle in the horse industry and mm. we have to fight a little bit harder, Yes, you know, to survive it, which, you know, I'm proud to do, but... It's definitely a male sport, male-dominated sport. And, you know, we're certainly making headway in it. That That is absolutely for sure. But, you know, if you're a woman heading into the um, horse industry, you put on your shield of armour and leave it on. <laughs> Be very, very um, sure of who you are. Yeah, but I think, you know, I think females getting in, I mean, you have a look at people getting into the horse industry and young, you know, teenagers, pre-teenagers, and most of them are female. 
but then the females tend to drop off a bit and the males shine through. So the males are better at the top level. There's more of them at the top level. Yeah. But at yeah, the at the yeah. beginner level, it's more females. It's more of a female yeah. attraction, isn't it? Well, absolutely. Mm. And, you know, the biggest demographic in the equine industry is, is women from 25 to 55. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. biggest demographic. So. Yep. You know, it's, the demographic um, I'm at the lower. Right. I, yeah. I think, yeah, I think there should be more women in it and um, more women out there. You know, being professionals in the horse industry, absolutely. I, I think it's needed. Mm, mm. You know, it's not to go out against the men; it's just to go out and be beside them and show them that we can be, we can hold our own as well. Yep, yep. What do you think is the best thing about working in the horse industry, working with horses? Oh, meeting all the people for sure. Okay. Meeting all the beautiful, beautiful women that I meet, that's definitely um, what keeps me going. Yep. I, I meet some fascinating, gorgeous, adorable women. And, you know, a lot of them I've chosen as friends over the years. And each weekend I get to meet more. And I just absolutely love it. Love hearing their stories, love meeting their horses, love helping create change. Do you get many males come to your clinics? Any males? Yeah, yeah, I do actually. I, um, you know, I'm not a, a female only um, clinician or trainer, that's for sure. And I do get some men come along, and they absolutely love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. So they get along. They seem to blend in and just get along fantastically. So it's really cool to watch. Okay. And do they come with their partners, or they come because they want to um, increase their confidence? What is it that attracts them to come to your clinics? Well, some come with their partners and some don't. Okay. There's a lot of men out there that are, are actually saying, you know, straight up, I am nervous mm-hmm. or they've had an accident. Yep. So they're wearing their heart on their sleeve. But it doesn't take them long when they come to a clinic, they'll come back and they'll start training with Dave. So they soon find their feet. Yeah, good, good. Now, you've talked about David. Who else has influenced you? Oh, wow. Well, John Lyons most definitely has had one of the greater influences on me and, and on David, but not mm-hmm. only with horses, but on a more personal level. Yep. I think the other one would be John's wife, Jody. She's one of my best friends that, you know, we have been for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But she mentors me and pushes me and makes me drive harder when I have, you know, flat moments. She'll say, come on, get going. And um, <laughs> I've got a very strong connection with her that, that I love. And I've got a, you know, a lot of, I do a trainer's program now, so I train other women to, you know, become clinicians and trainers. And so I've got a lot of people around me that inspire me and push me as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's good. Okay. Now, what about horses? I'm sure you've had some amazing horses. Has there been any standouts that you'd like to mention? Absolutely. Well, my Grand Prix horse, Galatea, he is still alive. He's in his early 30s. He's been retired, oh, now it'd have to be 14 years now. And uh, 12 years, actually. And just this weekend, actually, I had my two out. I had Cassidy now, my personal bread mare, for 18 years. And she's still demonstrating with me. I just did an expo on the weekend with her. And Bodacious Bandit, my paint horse. He's my cowgirl dressage horse. He's 22. And um, I had him demonstrating with me as well. So I'm still using them both. They're still enough in Full flight they are. That's good, isn't 100% it? 100% healthy and mm-hmm. ticking over. And, yeah, we were just um, saying that Bodacious Bandit, or Bo we call him, he's been to every Aquitana in, in Australia. Yeah. Every single good. one. Isn't good. that cool? Yeah. 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 So, yes. yeah, they're, they're my favourites. They're the only two I've had for a long time, very, very long time. Mm-hmm. What do you think's been your proudest moment? My proudest moment. Mm. Wow, I've had many, <laughs> many, many proudest moments. 
I think it's just happened, actually. I got asked by Equitano to be the horsemanship ambassador for Equitano this year. Oh, that's so, good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was absolutely chuffed. Yeah, um, yeah. First of all, to be asked, but second of all, for a woman to be asked. Yep. So yeah. I think that was that sits on top of my list at the moment. Mm, mm, that's good. Thinking about where you are now and becoming horsemanship ambassador for Equitana, which is a great honour, and taking aside, you know, we've got the challenge of the confidence and everything and, you know, taking that aside, but what do you think your biggest challenge has been to get to where you are now? Is it the female in the male-dominated world? Is it the, yeah, tell me, tell me about other things that have happened. I think the hardest part about doing, you know, being a trainer in, in Australia, especially for myself, is to keep up the resilience. Mm-hmm. You know, people love it. They come to a two-day clinic and they have a ball and they leave and they have great memories, but they don't see the 12 hours of travel that's yes. gone into getting there, the 12 hours of travel to get home, the family time that you've missed, you know, not being in your own bed, you know, not being home, not seeing your family. So, you know, I think it's, it's resilience. That's the hardest thing. You know, if I get to Western Australia this weekend to do a clinic and I'm sick, that's bad luck. I've got to do the clinic. Mm. So, you know, people don't see that side of it about how committed us clinicians or trainers are. It takes a hell of a lot of commitment. And we pay the price in other ways. You know, we miss out on birthdays and parties and weddings and, you know, engagement parties, 21st, that sort of thing, because we're So, you know, it's a price to pay, but, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. I would never complain. I love it. So, (laughs) you know, I think resilience is the thing that we need to pay attention to. Okay. Is that what you'd say to someone who's thinking about just expanding their knowledge, who's been asked to start to do a few clinics? Is that what you'd say to them, you know, be resilient? Absolutely. And and self-care. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yep. and and we're not taught a lot of that, and we're not raised with self love. But I would definitely say you need a lot of self love and a lot of self care because you want to be the very best for everybody that's attending. You know, they want the very best of you over those two days. So you've got to bring your best game there. So you can't be tired. You know, you can't be out late. You can't. You know, you've got to bring your best game. And and you know, I'm talking about if you want to be professional. Mm. You know, if you want mm. to hold your head up in you know out in the equine industry and. And be a professional, you need, you know, it's a 24 hour job. Yes, yes. And it's as you say, to be professional and just if you're a bit sick, you just get out there and do it and, and um, yep. put on the yep. happy face. And the other thing is, too, people are paying you for your service. They're not paying you for, oh, well, I'm not so That's good. Right. I'm not going to give you quite as much today. But, you know, if I'm feeling well, I'm going to, yeah, they're paying the same. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I had a bad day yesterday and I'm a bit tired, so I don't think I'll yeah. party today. You know, it's yes. no, well, yeah. bad luck. Yeah, so too bad. Mm. you've got to be professional from the get-go. And, you know, I take pride in that and I, I am, you know, 100% of the time and that's why I'm still in the mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm still doing what I'm doing. If I um, didn't, you know, bring my best game all the time, the horse industry would fit you out pretty quick. Yes, yes. Thinking about a new group, you know, you go into a new group of riders, of their horses, What's a common fault or a common problem that you see or a common thing to work on with them? You know, not not people that you've worked with before and then moving on, but what's when you very first have a new group, what's something common that you see across the board? Oh, that's pretty easy, that one. We call it the new epidemic that's in plague proportions and it's overfed and underworked. We see it all the time. Are we talking horses or people? Yeah. No horses. Okay. Yeah, their horses are overfed. And underworked, and 
um, all of a sudden these people are overfaced. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of the times they come in and say, you know, my horse is badly behaved and they're correct, it is. It's got um, way too much energy and not enough rules. So yeah. that's the most common one that I see. The other one that I see is that people are paralysed with their fear, so they don't know how to express themselves properly. And um, it's through sitting with them and talking with them and connecting with them that they find their voice. All right, so you've got people sitting with them, talking with them, connecting with them. The overfed, underworked, what sort of exercises do you start with? Uh, We do, well, you know, they get a choice. We can either do some round pen work with some liberty training, which helps connection and relationship, Mm -hmm. or we'll go straight into the groundwork. If the horses are really pushy and rude on the ground, we'll get them sorted with some groundwork that is specifically designed to get the horses to become more obedient quickly and relax. That's usually up to the client's choice. Mm -hmm. More times than not, women. You know, of my demographics around the 50-year-old age, they want the round pen work. They want the living yep. training because they want yep. that connection. Yep. But the younger ones, they're quite happy to go out and get the groundwork done. When I say younger, you know, <laughs> under 40, they're happy to get out there, get on the ground and get the horses sorted. So we, we juggle between the two, yep. depending on what they ask for. What's the longest you've had someone just doing groundwork and work in the round pen before they're ready to get on? You know, I'm just thinking if someone really is paralysed with fear. Yeah, Yeah. usually a day. Mm-hmm. Well, um, um, I'll get the horse going for them and then integrate them to the horse. Okay. Everything I do is no pressure. They come and start when they're ready. Until then, I just keep working the horse for them yep. to keep them safe. And yes. then we build from that. So there's absolutely no pressure. You know, if they said, I don't want to do it for a month, that's fine. I'll yeah. still help. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely no pressure. You can't push emotion. Mm. You've got mm. to let it, you know, fear has, it plays its own journey. Mm-hmm. And um, the best thing you can do for someone that's frightened is increase their skill level. Yes. It's really the only thing you can do for them. So, But at the same time as increasing their skill level, you're also increasing the ability of the horse to cope with it. Exactly fear. right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly right. Yep. So education is the key to everything. Mm-hmm. Key to mm-hmm. absolutely everything. Yeah. Now, Sandy, have you got a book that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Oh, wow. I've got a lot. <laughs> a lot of books. Um, yep. I think, you know, the first one would be A Life Worth Writing, which is my autobiography. Mm-hmm. I have had a lot of feedback about that, and women have found it very powerful as they've connected to it. It's helped them understand what they're going through. So that would be my first reference and then of course there's heaps of training books but I think um, a life worth writing I think that'll get people they can started. buy that online yeah. they can buy it on Amazon they can buy it everywhere we'll have a link to that anyway on horse chats and I think it's horsechats.com slash books or else they'll go to your page which would be horsechats.com slash yep. Sandy Simons yeah cool okay then now what are you looking forward to at the moment you're looking forward to Equitana Oh, yes. This year, it's our 20-year anniversary at Aquitana, and I um, have been working for Aquitana since the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to get to our 20 years. That's really cool. Good. So I'm really looking forward to that. Okay. And I, yeah, and I've just bought myself a new horse, so I get him in December. So Okay. Tell us a bit about him. Well, he's a um, Mauritian, so Morgan Frisian, yep. and he's a yearling, so... I haven't bought a horse in 18 years, so I'm a bit excited about that. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? That's good. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, Sandy, just uh, in a few sentences, can you summarise your philosophy about horses into, uh, into a lesson today for our listeners? My philosophy is if you believe in yourself first, your horse will believe in you second. And that's all it takes to train a horse is a bucket load of self-belief. Yep. That's my philosophy. All right. Now, Cindy, how can people contact you? We've already said that they can contact you through horsechats.com slash Sandy Simons or else go to horsechats.com, search for Sandy with an I and search for Simons or how else, Sandy, just in case people have got their pen and paper ready and they're oh, ready to go. Yeah. Easy. Well, you can find us on Facebook, David yep. and Sandy Simons. We've got a page on there that mm-hmm. all of our clinics and everything's put on. Yep. And Sandy Simons, that's Sandy with an I. Yep. And Simons is 1M, simons.com.au. So our website's up and up and out there and they can find anything about us sitting on that and or give us a call. Yeah, yeah. And we'll also have the, the link to that book as well, to your book, A worth, yeah. Life Worth Writing. Yep. All right, Sandy. Wonderful talking to you. Hopefully we'll catch up with you again soon and we can go into a bit more depth into uh, one or two things that we've talked to. Yeah. All right. And and thank you. Thank you for doing this podcast. Oh, no worries. Every little bit helps and it changes. So good on you. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you've um, enjoyed the episodes that you have listened to as well. Yeah, most definitely have. (laughs) Okay then. Thank you. Bye-bye then. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.